As they go, let me just say, if you're visiting with us, my name is Al here. At the, I'm the pastor here, and I'm slightly distracted because if you've been coming here any length of time, you'll know that I don't normally speak with a lapel mic. And this is a little experiment. I'm not sure it's working. How does it sound? It sounds a bit tinny. Does it sound all right? Okay, good. <laughs> so I've spent many years with one hand like this speaking and the other hand doing all the work. I realize I've been kind of jiving up here. So today, both hands are at work. We'll see what happens. Yes, freedom, glory. Ah, so my little prop here is just going to be here just in case. We'll wean myself off that in, in weeks to come. Uh, yeesh. So let me just say, if I get too close to these speakers, you're all going to have to cover your ears. <clears throat> So if I see any of you dropping off, I'm just going to wander over here. <laughs> anyway, seriously, if you're visiting with us today, it's great you can be here, and uh, I'm glad you could join us. Let me ask you this uh, as we start today. Have any of you been in a situation where you needed to meet certain requirements to be allowed in, to meet some entry requirements? How many of you have been to the Whitewater Center? Yes, I figured some of you might have been. <clears throat> so we had uh, a few Christmases ago, my, my brother was visiting with his family. We did a family outing to the Whitewater Center, and everything was going great. And so, you know, the ropes courses there, and they're, they're great fun. There's one of them that's like a little more advanced. It's like this big adventure, and you can't, you can't go on the ropes course there unless you meet the entry requirement of doing a certain number of pull-ups. Anyone done that one? <clears throat> So my son, who's a super athlete, comes up, <laughs> knocks out the pull-ups pull like this, easy. My nephew comes up, throws himself on the bar like this, like virtually does them with one hand. Then my brother, he goes, piece of cake, knocks them out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm in real trouble. Now it's going to be hard to imagine, because I know you look at me and you go, athlete. There was a time a few years back before I started doing any working out where I'm looking at this bar and I'm sweating. <laughs> Just looking at that thing and I'm like, my, my son's in, my brother is in. And I'm like, yeah, come on. I go up and I put my hand on that bar and I'm like, Ugh. fortunately I'm quite tall so I was able to get halfway there like this. And I, you know, I think, I think I got my head just somewhere over the bar, just, just over. And I'm looking, and the guy goes, yeah, that's okay. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I want to go on the thing anymore. <laughs> anyway, I met the entry requirement. <clears throat> so I tell you that because we are starting the new series today, Seeking You Will Find. We saw the video there. Is Phil Beebe in the house? So how many of you know Phil? Anyway, he makes these videos for us, and he does a phenomenal job. If you uh, need a video made, just uh, ask me, and I'm going to point you in Phil's direction, because he's great. But seeking you will find. So the idea is that this is a time when we want to be pursuing the kingdom of God. Pursuing the kingdom of God. If you've been coming here over recent months, then you will know that it's like, uh, I feel like this year, the Lord has invited us to raise our expectations. You know, it is so easy to get in this mode if I go to church and I tick the box and that's kind of it. 
And I feel like this year the Lord has said to us, you know, what, what if you could raise your expectations that when you actually read the Bible, that you start to believe that that kind of stuff might happen? Do you see what I mean? It's not just about fulfilling some kind of uh, task, but actually starting to aspire to lay hold of the things that the Bible talks about. The Bible says there is this kingdom of God, and the kingdom is a place of hope and love and freedom and healing and redemption and transformation. And, you know, I was coming out with all these words in my own mind when I was thinking about this talk today. But I also want to say it's also about hope in the middle of difficulty. It's about perseverance when you feel you can't go on. It's about comfort when you're suffering. Jesus is all these things. It is a place of life in the midst of whatever is going on in your life. That is the kingdom of God. That is the promise. And that is what God has been inviting us this year to reach out and lay hold of. Not just think about, not just talk about, but actually have these expectations of doing the stuff. And so in January, uh, if you were here, you'll know I had this great series planned up. We didn't talk about any of that. And it was more about God just laying out this invitation to us. Last month in February, we were in the book of Ezekiel. And it was really a time when God was saying, can you get your priorities right? Can you actually make me God in your life? Can you? And it kind of culminates on Ash Wednesday, this last Wednesday. We had a full house. We were kind of repenting of our sins and getting right with God. And now, as we embark on Lent, I feel like he's saying, how about now we pursue the kingdom? Right? We've got our priorities right. We've got the kind of vision laid out. Let's pursue the kingdom. And so that's what this next six, seven weeks is about, the pursuit of the kingdom, laying hold of the kingdom. And we've got the daily devotions, and they actually started on Ash Wednesday. They are fantastic. Thank you to everyone who wrote them. They're up online uh, on the website, and I encourage you to look at them. And the idea was, I say, why don't we look at one, one thing Jesus said about the kingdom every day all the way through Lent? And I thought, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? And then I started to look at the things Jesus said about the kingdom of God, and I'm like, woo! So I encourage you to go to them, because there's no, there's no fluff in what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. Also, we're starting up the Hour of Power again. If you don't know what that was, we've had like 40 people gathering downstairs, pre-service, and we are looking at the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're putting it into practice in our lives. And, you know, I, I did a little survey at the end of the last one. I had 30 of these forms, and I'm reading them all like, amazing, fantastic, wonderful. When can we do it again? Can we do it more? Can we do it? And I'm like, okay, we're going to do it again. So uh, if you want to hear more about that, let me know. I'd like for you to come to that. That starts in two Sundays' time. And then it's gonna, this series is actually going to culminate uh, on Good Friday here, and we're going to do an evening um, on healing. And, you know, Good Friday sometimes is a little bit kind of heavy, but I'm like, the thing about Good Friday is Jesus identifies it with our suffering. And he wants to meet us in the middle of that. And so that's what that evening is going to be about. And, and then Easter Day is going to be a celebration of all the things that we've laid hold of in these months. And so that is why I started this morning by telling you the story from the White Water Center. Uh, I won't tell you how many pull-ups I can do now, but after that experience, I started training. <laughs> but I suppose I wanted to tell you that because if we want to pursue the kingdom of God, if we want to lay hold of those things, we need to start out on this journey by recognizing that the kingdom of God has some entry requirements. You probably weren't expecting me to say that. There are a number of verses in the Bible where Jesus says something like this. No one can enter the kingdom unless. No one can enter. The, in fact, Lindsay did it a little bit earlier. He said one of the verses, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless you come like a little child. And um, 
So I'm going to read today. We're going to read from John 3, and you may like to turn to page 862 in the Red Bible. 862, and you're actually going to find out the real reason I've moved to a lapel mic, because now I can hold the Bible a little closer to me so I can read it. Actually, there's a perfect distance out here somewhere. Um, right, so John, I'm not going to go on about that. John 3, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 16. Now, as I read it, I want to encourage you to um, see what the entry requirement is. The entry requirement to the kingdom of heaven. So this is John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So did you see the, uh, the entry requirements? Uh, the entry requirements just to remind you to enter the kingdom of God, this place of hope and love and comfort and perseverance and joy, a place where um, all things are possible. And here is, here is the uh, entry requirement. I actually love it. Nicodemus comes straight up to him and Jesus doesn't mess around. He just goes straight to it. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Unless they're born again. And um, I wanted to just say a couple of things. This text immediately tells us a lot about this, uh, this concept of being born again. And the first thing is this. <laughs> and, uh, the first thing is this, that being born again is confusing, and it's always been confusing. It's always been confusing. I love that Nicodemus goes, what? You know, how can someone be born again when they're old? And that's right, that's like, absolutely. Absolutely. And people chuck that idea around now. And, uh, you know, one of the things is often we have absolutely no idea what that means. It's a confusing concept. And actually, one of the other things that's striking when we look at this text is it's entirely possible 
to have been around in the church for ages. It's entirely possible to be a leader in the church. It's entirely possible to be a teacher and, you know, someone who does all the stuff right, which is what Nicodemus was, and still not be able to enter the kingdom of God because you don't know what it means to be born again. And so this is a confusing idea, and it's possible to be around in the church and be doing all the stuff for ages and be a leader and not know what that means. And yet, here is the third thing, which is the real problem. And Jesus is clear about it. No one can enter the kingdom unless they're born again. So how many people can enter the kingdom if they're not born again? No one! I really felt like Jesus wanted me to clear up the confusion today to clear up the confusion for a simple reason. He doesn't want any of us to be confused about this because he wants all of us to enter the kingdom of God. He wants all of us on this journey. He wants us all to lay hold of these things. He wants us all to lay hold of the true uh, promises of the, 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 uh, the Bible. You know, there's so many things that we do, and there's so many good things about church, and it's so easy to just settle for those things. And actually what he's saying is, no, there is this richness, there is this life, there is this abundance. I want all of us to lay hold of that. I want all of us, it's so easy to kind of go, well, you know, that's a kind of a weird phrase. Just like so many of other, God's greatest gifts, it's been abused and it's even used as a derogatory phrase, isn't it? I remember someone once saying to me, you're not one of those born-again Christians, are you? Like it was like some swear word. And I'm like, well, actually, yes, I am. <laughs> but I don't think they had the faintest idea what they were talking about. And we talk about being born again this or born again whatever. But it's like Jesus is saying, this is the real deal. And you actually cannot enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And so here we are embarking on this journey to lay hold of the kingdom. So the first thing is, let's clear up any confusion about the entry requirements. Because this is for every single one of us. And so, you know, it's so easy for us to go, well, do you know, I'm not quite sure if I'm born again. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's, I mean, that's very normal. And so by the end of today, I want you to be absolutely sure. And we're going to have an opportunity to make sure of it. Because this is, this is a collective thing. We're all journeying together. And we're all going to be in the Born Again Club. <laughs> I really shouldn't have said that. That didn't help. <laughs> but you know, there's something about doing that and, and, and asking that question, am I born again? But there's also, for some of us, Omega, yeah, I'm definitely born again. It's like there's also a call to us at the beginning of this journey to renew our commitment to that and what it means. It's like, am I actually living out this life that Jesus is calling me to? And so I want to try and clear up this confusion today as simply as I can. And I want to say this, that... Um, It seems to me that the reason this concept of being born again is confusing is because we tend, as physical beings, to view the world from a physical perspective. (laughs) And in fact, it's so normal, it's just what what we do. But nowhere is this more profound than in the idea when it comes to thinking about sin. Okay? So how many of you, let me say, how many of you would say this? I'm a really bad person good man. <laughs> the thing is, generally, we don't go around saying, oh, I'm a really bad person. I'm actually a terrible person. I mean, if you do, you know, someone's going to recommend you go and see someone. 
Because generally we're not, right? Generally, we, you know, we, we try and do the best we can. We're kind of kind to people. We're kind of, and we look around the world and we go, oh my gosh, there are so many people worse than me. Guess what? We're the good guys. We're the good guys. And so the thing is, that we, uh, uh, we tend to look at ourselves that way. Guess why? Because we're looking with a physical perspective. We're looking with physical eyes. We're making a judgment with physical eyes. Now, the thing is, when we look with spiritual eyes, we see a completely different problem. In fact, I want to call it a crisis, because in the spiritual realm, anything that we do wrong, let me just say that again, any sin separates us from God. Any sin we have separates us from God. So, if, you know, I always think this is, it's the same in any relationship. In any relationship we have, if, if I, you know, if I crack a really bad joke about my wife and make a joke at her expense right now, then, you know, it's going to be a slight problem when we get in the car and go home. And that would be the smallest of sins, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be quite normal. So, you see, in the same way that something like that would actually separate us, uh, uh, um, any sin in a spirit, with spiritual glasses, any sin that we do separates us from God. The Bible says, Romans, uh, Romans says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the problem. So no matter what we do, we're separated from God. This is something, uh, uh, this is something of what, why I would say this is a crisis. This is a crisis. You know, I was watching this show the other day, and because um, you know it's so it's so easy for us to go. But you know, I'm I, I'm okay. I, I you know I'm I'm okay. And I, I was watching this guy, and he was out on the streets, and um, he'd obviously done this before. But he went up to a guy, and he said, "Look, you know, would you describe yourself as a bad person?" And he goes, "No, absolutely not. No, I'm I'm pretty good." And he said, "So do you um do you do you have you you know." Uh, yeah, do you think God thinks you're a good person? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. And he said, well, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? And the guy goes, yeah, I've kind of heard of them. He said, okay, let's just go through the Ten Commandments, shall we? He said, so do you, do you ever put anything above God? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I suppose I do. And he said, do you, do you ever take the Lord's name in vain? And the guy goes, well, yeah, I suppose I do sometimes. And he said, do you, do you always honor your mother and your father? And he goes, well, no, not really. And have you ever stolen anything? Do you sometimes steal, even if it's in small, you know, surreptitious ways? He goes, well, yeah. <laughs> do you see where I'm going with this? And they said, you know, do you, ever, do you ever cover your neighbor's stuff? Oh, my. And the guy said, so if, if God came today and he was having to make a judgment just based on those things of whether you could come into the kingdom or not, what would the judgment be? And he goes, well, I guess it's not. I guess it's not. And, you know, it's really easy for us to go, but I'm so much better than these other people, right? I'm so much better than these other things. And I think sometimes it's like this. I always see it as like a scale. If you imagine zero to 100, right? And God's out here at 100, and Hitler's down here at about, what do you reckon? Two? Where, where's Mother Teresa? She's, a, you know, I was reckon she's at about 70, 75. 90? We'll do 90. Where, where are you? <laughs> somewhere in between, right? So we're somewhere in between. But the problem is, it's, it, the problem is, there's still this other 10% of her Mother Teresa, right? It's not there. When you, when you, um, you know, in, in, uh, in football, when you get a touchdown, it's like, woohoo, and then you've got to kick the ball, right, between, between the posts. How many points do you get if the ball misses by miles? <laughs> 
you get zero. How many points you get if it misses by just a hair? See, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Because when we look with spiritual eyes, you see, any sin, right, whether it's the, the 98% for Hitler or the 10% for Mother Teresa, any sin separates us from God. Any sin. This is why the Bible calls us slaves to sin. This is why, this is why um, you know, it's such a struggle. I would call it a crisis. This is why the pull-ups is such a problem because you can do five pull-ups. Guess what? It's not enough. You can do ten pull-ups. It's not enough. You can, I'm not talking about the white water center now. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. You can do 80 pull-ups. Now you're reaching my kind of level. It's not enough. I saw a video the other day. You know, there was a guy who broke the world record for staying in a plank. Eight and a half hours. Eight and a half hours. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'm sure God is like, good for you, man. Oh, more fool of you. We spend so much time, don't we, trying to be good enough for God. And the point is, it's a complete waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. Because this, this is the message, this is Jesus' message, and it's so often misunderstood in the kingdom. It is no matter how many pull-ups you do, no matter how many works of goodness, or how many, whether you're a teacher, whether you've been in the church in your life, whether you give all your money, whatever it is, that is not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Because we're in a crisis. We have this crisis that no matter what we do, it's not going to be good enough. No matter what we do, it's not going to be good enough. And, and it's when we grasp the enormity of that problem, that's when we can grasp the enormity of what Jesus has done for us. Let me say that again. It's only when we grasp the enormity of that problem that we can grasp the enormity of what Jesus did for us. See, John 3.16, there's a reason that is the most popular verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God is spirit. And so he sees clearly the spiritual problem that we have. He sees clearly, and he loves us. And he could see, when you, look, when you read the whole of the Old Testament, and Kieran, I thought you did a great job describing the Old Testament today. It's challenging and it's difficult because this is God trying to relate to his people who are struggling to be good enough and never getting there. You can never understand the Old Testament until you look at what Jesus did. Because he's trying, and he's nurturing, and he's coming along his, uh, beside his people. And, he, and, and the only way that they could be even close to him, it, vaguely close, is if they, they just try, and they try, and they try, and they never get there. That is essentially the message of the Old Testament. And so he loves us so much that he had to do something about it. He chose, I should say, he chose to do something about it. He came to take the punishment for all those sins, whether it's a 90, the 10% from Mother Teresa or the 90 for Hitler or whatever number you put yourself at. He came to deal with that so that we could enter the kingdom. I, I, I often think of it like this. It's like we're in a courtroom and we've got the judge and he's up there on, on his kind of big seat or whatever it is. And, and the movie of your entire life, everything you've ever done or everything you've ever thought, it gets exciting now, doesn't it? Right? Everything that's gone on in your heart is displayed. And the judge, because he is a perfect judge, because he sees perfect truth, he's like, I, you know, I need to say that you are guilty. You are guilty. 
And the, and the consequence of that is separation. The consequence is you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The consequence is, ultimately, spiritual death. And, and there we are, we're kind of standing, which is a bit like where we are right now, just feeling the weight of that. Yikes. And yet he comes down, and he takes off his robe, and he says, now that justice has been declared, I also love you, and therefore I'm going to take your punishment instead. I'm going to die in your place. I think we sometimes um, treat this quite glibly, Remy. Oh, yeah. Jesus died for my sins. He's my buddy. I I think we sometimes forget just how much it cost him. That his love is the love of someone who cares about you more than him. I mean, I, let, let's just get ahead around this in a small way uh, because it's so hard to articulate this. But Jesus is God. He, it, the Bible tells us he was around before creation. He, everything in heaven is under him. He is supreme and he is in heaven. And he chose to put that aside. He chose to, to make himself nothing. That's what the Bible said. It's like the king became the servant. He chose to give it all up. How many of us, if we have everything, we choose to give it up? He chose to give it up. He chose to come here in the midst of this mess. And do you know what happened to him when he showed up? The one who made the world, who's choosing to give everything to come to help us, do you know what happened? We rejected him. He was despised. He was not understood. He was, he was abused. They pushed him around. They, they mocked him. I mean, can you imagine? And yet he carried on without fear, relentlessly, teaching, preaching, showing the truth, even though people thought he was crazy and he was misunderstood, and particularly his church, his people, the people called by his name. They said, we don't know you. That must have hurt. This is like our own kids saying to us, we don't know you. And then at the end, he knew what he had to do. Uh, you know, I always, I'm always struck by that verse in the Bible where he says, he fixed his eyes, he turned his face to Jerusalem. And it's like he knew what was coming, and yet he chose to do it anyway. He chose to go and be ultimately rejected and beaten and, you know, incorrectly accused and judged and everyone turned on him and they hammered those nails into his hand, didn't they? And they made him carry that cross while people spat on him. And then and he went to the cross and all the time, can you imagine doing that? All the time knowing that you could just say, heck, I'm the son of God, I'm done. 
But he took that because of his great love for us. And because he knew that it was only if we were born again that we could enter the kingdom of heaven. It was only if we were born again. And he said, this is so important. Right? So this is why I have felt, like all week when I've been thinking about this, it's like being born again to Jesus is not this kind of light-hearted thing. It's actually a very serious business because he's given everything for it to make this possible. So this is not a day for us to kind of go, well, you know, I'm just not sure. You know, I'll be fine. You know, I've got lots of friends in the church. I want to say, we'll always be friends in the church, but this is about the kingdom. This is about the kingdom. Jesus says, I want you to have life, a life in all its fullness. And so that's why he's come to do that, not just us, for the whole world he came to do that. He came to die. You know, I, I think we're, we're just, we're so used to our sin. We're so used to feeling guilty. We're so used to feeling shame. We're so used to, um, you, you know, I, I, I prayed with a lady on Al Nash Wednesday, and I felt the Lord say, you know, it's time to be done with your shame. And, you know, she, she burst out crying. She was like, really, did God say that to you? Like, like, you know, it was a surprise because no one had ever said, God wants to set you free from your shame. Yes, he does. That's what, how do I know? Because he came and gave it all up and lived in spite of everyone rejecting him and died on a cross so that we could be free. Right? But the problem is, you know, we're, we're so used to it. We're so used to it. It's just what we have. We, you know, we're so used to our anxiety. Jesus said, I don't want you to have anxiety. We're so used to it. It's just like an old friend. He said, I want you to be done with it. Right? We're so used to being slaves and, and uh, you know, just kind of trapped in the things that we're trapped in. And he, he's saying, ah, I've got this opportunity for you to be free. I've got this opportunity for you to be free. You don't need to have that. You don't need to have it. And there is this invitation, you see, to be born again. And, you know, I love that phrase because the thing is, you can't be half born. I mean, you're either born or you're not. And so, you know, when people say, well, you know, I'm kind of a Christian, it's like, really? I mean, you're either born again or you're not. <laughs> you're either in the kingdom or you're not. And, you know, I don't think Jesus ever said, when you enter the kingdom, you're never going to have a problem again. <laughs> but what he says is when you enter the kingdom, you're never going to have the problems where you have to wrestle on your own because I will be with you and you will have all the resources of the kingdom of heaven at hand. That's the journey. And I love the ropes course analogy because it's like this great adventure. And you go out there and there's going to be times when you're going to have to pull yourself up. But you don't need to do any pull-ups because Jesus is doing the pulling up. <laughs> Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And I, I, I felt like the Lord say that you know, there's like, there's like a, an opportunity for us right now at the beginning of this journey to lay hold of that, to not, to not doubt it anymore, but to say, you know, I really want to be a part of this thing. I want to lay hold of this new life. And it, it doesn't matter to me if this is your first day ever in church. Welcome, it's great to see you. Or whether you've been hanging around in church for 20 years and you're like, I never really heard it like that. I never really got it. I never really understood but you see, I feel like Jesus is saying, well, you know, why, why are we waiting? Why should we wait? Today's the day. 
Do you see what I mean? We've got this big adventure ahead of us, and we're going on it. And there's a time in every one of our faith where we have to stop looking at the other people. Generally, the people at the front are waving their hands around and saying, they've got it. I don't know. You don't have to come to the front and wave your hands around, but you do need to be born again. Right? We've got to stop looking at other people and saying, they're more mature than me. That's only only because, I mean, these these are happy people that like to wave their hands in the air. It's about our relationship with Jesus. He's saying, today's the day. Today's the day. Why don't we stand? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the good news. And you see, we really grasp it when we stop looking with physical eyes, but start looking with spiritual eyes. So we really shouldn't be confused about this idea of being born again. And it's not a complicated thing to be born again. That's like it says in Romans. What, what, what it's saying is, we just need to come to this place where we recognize that we're not good enough. And that we'll never be good enough. And that we have a way out. We have a way to be set free from these things. And, and we come to this place where we say, Jesus, you know, I, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I have separated myself from you through the things that I've done. But I thank you that you have died for me on the cross. For me. I thank you that you came and did all of that for me. You shed blood. That God shed his blood for me. And then we invite him, you see, to become Lord in our life. I was thinking this week a lot about the phrase, Saviour. The phrase, Saviour. Do you know, I sometimes think if, if, if what we had needed most in this life was more money, then he would have come as like a big philanthropist because he loves us. If what we needed was healing, and we do need healing, but if that was our primary need, he would have come as like this incredible doctor. If we, need, if we, if, if, if we were struggling with kind of ignorance, he would have come with a PhD. But the biggest struggle we have is with sin. And so he came to die on our behalf. And so I want to give you, I'm actually going to do a couple of things this morning, but the first thing I want to do is give you an opportunity now to be born again. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. It's an invitation that is extended to everyone. And it's an invitation of joy. Do you know, I I remember the day that I was born again. And I will never forget it. And it should be an event. If you're not sure, then I want to invite you to make today the day. I remember the day I was born again because I was, we were actually worshipping. We were somewhere, uh, and it was a church much like this, and I encountered the Spirit of God. And, you know, I was always expecting, you know, clouds of love and, you know, nice music in the background, that kind of thing. And what I got was a conviction of my sin. 
I'm like, really, is this it? <laughs> Actually, I was too busy crying because my father had never forgiven me. I'd not known forgiveness growing up. And the minister said to me, Al, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I just don't know if I can ever be forgiven. And in that moment, I, I was born again, and he led me in a prayer. And I was born again, and this weight that was on my shoulders left. And I want to say it has never come back. I've never worried ever since then about being forgiven. And it's going to look different for every one of us, but I want to extend that invitation to you to make that real in your life. So why don't we do this? Why don't we bow our heads and pray? And let's close our eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity today to step into this new life, to step into the kingdom of God. And this may be something that you've not really thought about before. It's just not something you've got your head around. And I, I don't care how long you've been a part of the church or whatever. This is an opportunity today to make this your own and make this personal. And so I'm going to lead, a, lead this prayer that you can make your own. And I'm going to invite you to, to say sorry for the sin that separated you from God. To thank him for dying on your behalf. And then we're going to invite him to come and be Lord in your life. So here is a prayer that you can pray. Lord Jesus... I'm so sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry for the things that have separated me from you. And I'm sorry, Jesus, that I've held you at arm's length all this time. I ask you to forgive me now, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you've died on the cross for me. I thank you for your love for me. I invite you to come and be Lord in my life right now, in Jesus' name. I ask you to usher me into the kingdom, in Jesus' name. I pray that you will lift these burdens off my shoulders right now in Jesus' name. I pray for new life to come in Jesus' name. So if you, if you prayed that prayer uh, for the first time or in a new way, I wonder if you might just raise your hand right now. Thank you, that's great. Thank you. And I'm going to do a second thing as well. You see, I felt the Lord say, there's a grace on us right now, at the beginning of this journey, to um, step into this kingdom life in a new way. So we can't be born again. If you are already born again, you are born again. But sometimes we can drift off the path, can't we? And so I want to pray another prayer for you. If you have been stirred by this message afresh today, because the gospel message never gets old, and if you have felt this stirring in your heart again, and it's like, and for some of you, I felt a little say earlier, there's like a stirring to go and share this message with others. I'm going to pray a prayer for you as well. So Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the kingdom life that I have already tasted. But Lord, I know there is so much more. And so I ask you to forgive me 
for any apathy I've shown, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for my lukewarmness. I ask you to set me on fire again today. I invite you to, again to come and be the Lord of my life. Lead me into all that you have for me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so let me, let me ask again, if, you've, if you prayed either of those prayers, um, I wonder if you would just raise your hand. And so if, if, you, if you have raised your hand, I, I want to ask you to do something. And some of you may go, I, I'm not, that, that's, that's quite a big ask. But I want to ask you to do this anyway. There's, there's, there's quite a lot of you, so it won't be too bad. But I want to invite you to come to the front. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when we say these things, the Lord wants to give us his spirit. Right? So when we are born again, he tells us he's going to give us his spirit. And when we're recommitting to him, he wants to pour out his spirit on us. And it's his spirit that brings us life and leads us into all he has for us. And so I want to pray that if you have prayed either of those prayers in a meaningful way today, we want you to be filled now with the spirit of God. All right? So let's do two things in the chaos. Let's move three rows. And if you put your hand in the air... Or even if you didn't, I want to invite you to come forward because we're going to pray for the Spirit of God to fill you and bless you and show you His love. Perhaps you could just play a little bit in the background. So let's start coming forward. And if you get here and there's still chairs to move, then you can help move the chairs. But just come forward. I said, if you need to ask people to move so you can get through the aisles, just do that. This is not a time to be shy. This is, this is kingdom stuff now. Jesus is on the move. That's it. So if you've come forward, you may like to put your hands out. I think there may still be a few more of you. Do just come forward. I said, keep coming, keep coming. So if you've come forward, or even if you haven't, you may like just put your hands out in front of you. Now there's nothing, um, there's nothing spiritual about this, but except it's, it's with our bodies, we're saying, Jesus, I, I, I want you. I want more of you. I want your spirit. See, the spirit, his spirit is the source of life. His spirit is his presence with us. And so it's very simple. You just shut your eyes. And I'm going to say, come Holy Spirit. The Bible says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we say, come Holy Spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit in this place.